You are listening to the Not Neurotypical Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this podcast is all about being neurodivergent in a really neurotypical world. I am a married mom of three, or well, I'm trying to stay married, and I also work, or well, I try to work. Well, anyway, if you don't mind me using you as therapy, strap on your seatbelts, hold on tight, because it's probably going to be a bumpy ride. Welcome to episode two of the Not Neurotypical podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan. You can follow me on Instagram at Laura Stan, that's Z-D-A-N. And I'm so happy that you're back because episode one was a little scary for me to put out there. And it means a lot to me that you guys are listening to another one. And if this is your first time listening, episode one was all about the realization of the fact that I might be an autistic adult. And I was diagnosed with ADHD at 12 and it was a big shock. It was something that I never considered, but as I learned more, it was like, yes, this is a reality. And then I totally self-diagnosed myself but also immediately set up an evaluation with a doctor who specializes in adult ASD, autism spectrum disorder. And if you don't know, that is very rare. There's not many doctors who are specialists in adult autism spectrum disorder. It's mostly kids. Most doctors only learn about what it looks like in kids. The whole world of autism is all about early diagnosis and intervention, but there is a sea of adults who also need help and need guidance or support or just a diagnosis, and they are not getting it. So, Due to that fact, I was very, very nervous about my evaluation, and I had no clue how to prepare myself or feel prepared for the evaluation. I am a researcher. I do that to make myself feel more comfortable. I like to learn all I can about things, especially things that I'm a little uneasy about. So I looked up so much information of what does an evaluation look like, feel like, um, what was other people's experiences. And I have to say, this could be generally human nature, but most of what I saw online was the negative aspects of adult autism spectrum disorder evaluations and how they're, you know, they were rejected and they, you know, how they feel so down because they were self-diagnosed and the doctor was just like, no, sorry, you just don't really meet all the criteria. You made eye contact with me. (laughs) How many times have we heard that? Anyway, so for me, feeling unprepared in any situation makes me so anxious and nervous, sometimes even fearful. And it can even initiate my flight response where I'm like, oh, I got to go or no, I'm not doing that. No way. Nope, not doing it. (laughs) That's me. Um, And this whole crazy out of the blue situation that all of just one day, the weight of the world comes down and it's like, oh my God, I'm autistic. You know, the, it felt like the weight of the world. And all of this happened so fast. And within two weeks, I found myself scheduled for this evaluation. 
I asked the intake coordinator of the place that I was going to get my evaluation what I could expect, you know, what the evaluations were like. She literally gave me nothing. She was just like, oh, he's going to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, no, no crap. I already knew that. Thanks. But anyway, she gave me nothing. I was very anxious. And, you know, within the two weeks, like I said, I'm a researcher. I need information. It helps me process everything. And I started seeing horror stories about mothers getting their children taken away because they had an autism diagnosis and all of this. And I was just so nervous. I felt like no matter what I did, I wouldn't be happy. Um, and I know those of us who are autistic, just autistic, artistic too, maybe. <laughs> those of us who are autistic, it's so common for us to just feel like no matter what we do, it's wrong. And I just felt like that in this situation. So anyway, you may be wondering why I went through with my evaluation. And deep down in my soul, I knew that I was autistic. I had already self-diagnosed myself. And I was in the process of coming to terms with that. And you know, I knew that I would be going through this emotionally and physically either way, with or without a piece of paper. But the truth was, I just needed confirmation. I don't know why. Maybe it was because it would make me feel more confident when I came out to my family, or maybe the official diagnosis would release that, well, what if it is something else? You know, maybe just it's that comfort. And I'm not even pretending like doctors really give us that power, but I don't know. I, I needed it. I just did. And I think it's because this was the biggest thing that's ever happened to me, the biggest life-changing event, and it's happening in my mid-30s. And due to that, I felt completely anxious and unprepared. And I was a wreck. I mean, two nights before the evaluation, both nights I did not sleep um, maybe 30 minutes to an hour, both of those nights. And a common coping tactic for me was preparing for the worst. And I do that in a lot of situations. I remember like years ago, my husband being like, why do you do that? You're so negative. And I remember telling him, I, I don't know. I think it's like preparing myself to be able to handle it because, well, now I look back and I'm like, yeah, that's because I can't, process things in the moment. If I have a plan for myself, I can handle things. And if I don't, I can't handle things. And I know that now. But well, I found myself doing that in this situation, of course. And I prepared myself. I asked myself those questions like, would I be met with resistance or talked down to, misunderstood, miscategorized? And I even worried that during the evaluation, I would somehow misrepresent myself during talking to the doctor in our interpersonal communication. Yes, I was already pre-blaming myself. I don't know if you caught that, but that was a big eye roll when I said that. And, you know, I worried about being dismissed and treated as if I'm just overthinking everything because I felt like I was. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many times doctors have already treated me this way. So all of that was not out of my wheelhouse of like things I've experienced. So I was really worried. And then I already had an ADHD diagnosis and I knew they overlapped. So 
in my head, it was like, I'm going to go in there and they're going to be like, you just have ADHD, even though I knew it wasn't just that. But I was really worried. And all of these things, you know, were worrisome. What about like, I've heard about people going in and they're like, oh, you make eye contact, so you don't meet the diagnostic criteria. (laughs) How many of us have heard that? Anyway, I was worried. So the day was here. It was a hot Monday morning, July 1st, 2019. Yeah, pretty recently. And I still remember the smell of Philadelphia as I walked there. It was really hot and steamy, and I could like smell the disgusting pavement as I walked in. And it just made me more anxious. And after I walked in, it was a skyscraper in West Philadelphia area. And after I signed in, I sat down and realized it was freezing in the waiting room and I was just so cold and the waiting room was like beige and just a horrible doctor's office. And I remember the swift temperature change from that hot, disgusting heat to like this wet, artificial chill. It just made me nauseous and even more anxious and I was just so nervous and of course I was there early so I'm just sitting there forever and I just remember texting my husband like I'm gonna throw up or you know I'm gonna be sick like how am I gonna do this and he was like I'm here with you it's okay he, he wasn't actually there with me um, I actually didn't want anyone to go with me because I wanted control of the situation um, I had a fear that like if I went with someone my truth would be discredited in some way or I'd be talking and they'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I just saw that scenario and I was like, nope, this is going to be me and the doctor. If I'm going down in flames, it's going to be just me. Or if I get this diagnosis, it's going to be because I'm giving my truth. And that's how I wanted it. And I'm sure you can relate to that. But I just was nervous and here he comes around the corner an ivy league doctor he was wearing a white polo shirt that had his university um hospital's name on it where we were and um i mean this guy has a psychiatric lab named after him uh and he's not that old i mean he could be in his 40s um so the dude clearly a smart man so he signaled for me to go with him and we went and sat down in his office and I wondered as I often did if he was as calculating as I am did he plan to have his patients sit in a really like drab cold empty waiting room only to transition them into this warm and comfy office and with a really comfortable chair as a means to relax them and then I'm like yeah no but that's how my brain works Well, anyway, as soon as I realized I was overthinking every little thing out of extreme anxiety, um, he was gentle and calm, and he seemed like someone I could talk to. That was my first impression, and that felt good, eased a little bit of my significant anxiety at the time. But basically, I told him I made a long list of symptoms that I relate to and he said oh great but I don't think he realized what I meant by long list because it was like 75 things as I said and um, as prepared as I was I was completely unprepared for him 
every time I gave him a symptom I related to for him to say, oh, how so? Or can you give me an example? And, you know, 75 things and me after every time going, uh, <laughs> um, well, this one time, yeah, that's, that's how my brain works. So that was really frustrating. Uh, for me and probably for him too. But every time, I mean, I remember I had to text my husband like five times. Uh, hey, we, we talked about this, but do you remember an, a specific example? I mean, I'm never good at that. So if you write down symptoms for your evaluation, just take that time to write down an example because if you're like me, you really suck at that and you're going to need that because that was stressful. But anyway, so we talked for almost five hours. And I could feel it. We were at the end. I knew it was coming. What was coming, I didn't know yet, but I knew it was coming. And he goes, okay, well, before I give you my final impressions, I'm just curious what exactly you're looking for with this possible diagnosis. And wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> once again, uh, <laughs> um, I remember not knowing how to answer him, and I put my mask back on quickly that I tried to take off for the evaluation, and I probably gave him some, like, you know, nice professional answer. But in my head, it was like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I probably told him, oh, I would maybe seek therapy or, you know, something. And he told me, okay, well, the truth is there's not really too much you can do. And I already knew that. He said, but my immediate impression is that you do meet the diagnostic criteria for autism spectrum disorder. And I should have been happy, right? I was validated. I don't really remember what happened after that. I just remember feeling numb because now it was real. And yes, it was already real. And I already knew it was real. But now it was real on a piece of paper. And the thing I wasn't prepared for is what would happen next. I was hoping I would align with so many women that I read about online who felt validated and confident now. The women who said they felt free to know that everything they had experienced now made sense and they could now be themselves unapologetically. And I didn't feel any of that. What was wrong with me? We have come to the end of episode two of the Not Neurotypical podcast. Thank you so much for sticking around. And if you are loving what you're hearing so far, please leave a comment and a review. And if you have any tips or you don't like anything, shoot me an email. My email is laurastan at iCloud.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N at iCloud.com and I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time.